Please remain standing with me as we hear God's word together. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, The times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Uh, my name is Cam, one of the pastors here, and I am just pumped about uh, it's summertime, you know. That's great. That's all I got. Um, we are in week number four of a series that we've been calling A Faith Worth Sharing. Has it been helpful to anybody? Like, anybody been feeling good? Can I get like a snap? I got a hand raise. We'll shame you into raising your hands with some scripture passage before the music and before the sermon. We'll do it. We're not, we're not above that. Um, but we've been kind of working through just like, what does it look like to actually share this faith? And the last three weeks in particular have been really practical. So we talked about hospitality and building relationships. And then last week, Pastor Mark talked about uh, sharing our own faith stories. And uh, this morning, what I'm going to talk about is actually the message of the gospel. Like, how do I share the message, the content, and what we're doing? So we've built some relationships. We've shared our own experiences. But how do we actually share the message. And so this morning, for us, like, I want to be really practical, okay? I, I hope that this morning is, like, equipping and encouraging, and encouraging in the way that, like, it actually puts courage into us to actually do the things that the Lord has invited us to do. And uh, I want to say this morning, I'm talking about personal evangelism, okay? So when we talk about the gospel and sharing the gospel and what the gospel can do and the effects of it, it is, it is actually, it's not less than, like, one-on-one -on -one sharing it with somebody, but it does have a greater effect than that. It has, it has an effect on uh, his kingdom coming here now on, on the effects 
of the city and the world and, uh, and ultimately just the entire globe. So it, it's, it's both personal and cosmic. Uh, but this morning, I'm literally, I'm just zoning in on one thing, personal evangelism. So don't like get me with something else. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going short-sighted today. Don't tell me I'm not doing all of it because I know. And I need you to know that I know that, okay? So we're good? All right. And I just want to acknowledge we're all coming in here with like some totally different perspectives and personalities and experiences when it comes to sharing our faith. Like some of you are just like so good at it. Like you just wake up in the morning like ready to share. Like you just are like walking with somebody on the trail and you're like, yo, it's cloudy today. The clouds, you know how they block the sun. So the sun blocks our sin from the Lord. Can I talk to you about Jesus? You know, like some of you, some of you were like ready to lead me to the Lord the second I shut my mic off this morning. You know, some of you were like that. Some of you were like out of your God-given like just who he made you to be. You are introverts and you don't like to talk that much. You just kind of rather read a book and stay by yourself. I'm growing in my appreciation for the introverts. I love you. I see you. And I know that this sounds like the worst possible thing that you could ever do. You're like, take my money, take my time, but sharing my faith one-on-one is the, like that's the scariest, worst thing I'd ever have to do. So, so I just want all of us today, we've got, we've got a whole array of spectrum. Most of us are in between that. Can we just grow together this morning? Can we just take like a little step towards what does it look like for me to actually communicate my faith with people who don't know Jesus? Are we good? All right, let's pray and we'll get into it. Jesus, we are so thankful for this morning. Thank you for the worship. You are so worthy of our, of our worship, of our praise even this morning, we just bring our hearts to you. Uh, we need you to teach us. I have nothing new to say. I've got no new information or cool, clever trick on how to share this message. But Lord, we need your spirit to come this morning to awaken us to the gospel this morning, to equip us and empower us and breathe on these words, this story from 2,000 years ago and make it real here and now in our hearts. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, Acts 1-1 starts with this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And I don't know if you know this, but, but the book of Acts is also written by Luke himself. So it's volume two of Luke. It could just be Luke, volume two. It's after Jesus. And what Dr. Luke is trying to communicate to us is as he starts his book, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all Jesus began to do and teach. He's trying to communicate that we are not just spectators in this thing. We're not just cozying up to hear more stories, but that we are invited to participate in the story. It's all about what Jesus began to do and teach, and that insinuates that this is a continuation of what Jesus is doing, that he's continuing to do these things. So I don't know how you read the book of Acts, but they are meant to be a picture and a vision of who we're to be and what we're invited into. The Gospels are what Jesus began to do and teach, but the book of Acts is the invitation to continuing in the life and the work of Jesus. And so this morning, I'm going to really probably frustrate like the linear folks in here who are just like, give me three points, Cam. Walk me through it. Give me a nice conclusion. Land the plane and pray. Because I'm going to go through a story, and it's going to be maybe a little bit all over the place. If you're circular and you just like to dream and have visions, you're going to be like, finally, this is the word for me. Okay? So because I'm going to walk just through this story a little bit. I'm going to pull out some practicals. And ultimately, we're going to look at how do we communicate this message? How do we share the gospel? And we're going to look at a story. 
And I love that, man. I love that the book of Acts is full of stories. And I just want to say, that's who we want to be as a church. Like, we want to be a church full of stories of faith and risk and looking silly and miracles and salvation and healings and all the stumbling and stuttering and falling along the way. Like, that's what we want to be. We want to be a church that comes together with stories, that we come together and we scatter throughout the week and in our lives, and we just have stories to tell, stories that make us cry in tears of celebration and awkwardness and goofiness and failing and all the stuff along the way. We want to be a church of stories. And today we're looking at one of those early stories, really one of the first stories, one of the first personal stories we get a look at. And where it begins is amazing to me. If you're going to follow along in the passage, especially the linear folks, like just pull out the Bible and you'll feel better, okay? I'm going to work right through it, but Acts chapter 3, it starts right here. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. I love that. You're like, okay, what's next? But, but look, at, just, just think about this. First and foremost, this story, this like crazy story that we just read, it starts in a completely ordinary day. I mean, these dudes are probably, the caffeine has worn off, they're tired and fatigued, and they're kind of in that 2 to 4 p.m. lull, you know, that lull, I know that lull, where we just need a nap at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And they're walking to the prayer time, just a normal day. Maybe they're going to a city of refuge at noon on Wednesdays where we do, I don't know, corporate prayer together every week, just a quick little plug. Um, maybe that's what they're doing an ordinary day. And this matters because much of what God does is in the ordinary moments. It's not just in these like super big, we posted a bunch of stuff on social media. Here's the moment, like we're trying to build this thing. It just happens in the ordinary day today. God loves to do things in the ordinary if we're open and available to him. Starts in the ordinary. Then it continues, okay? Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him their attention, expecting to get something from him. So just think about this, okay? There's an ordinary day. They're walking to the prayer meeting. And all of a sudden, they're not, like, they're not like trying to like squeeze in their last email. They're not like their head isn't down on their phone. Like they're not on the phone with their AirPods in. That's how I live. I'm going to be guilty of that, okay? AirPods are like always in, basically saying, don't talk to me. That's my excuse, okay? But that's not what they're doing. Their eyes are open. They're in the moment. They're aware of what's happening. And this guy who's been lame from birth, who has not walked a day in his life, stumbles up to Peter and, this, and we're going to get to the miracle in a second, but just notice Peter looks at him. Peter takes the time to be in the moment and notice this guy. He sees him. And this seems small, and I know there's a miracle coming, but, but first and foremost, the normal day with the disciples in the early church are the ones where their eyes are open. They're in the moment. And even as I read this this week, and I just made a joke about my AirPods, but I, I'm really, I was grieved by like how much of my life is just like not in the moment. Like how much I'm thinking about what's next or like what just happened and I'm just like not in the present. And this story, the story that we're talking about, it starts with Tim just an ordinary day and Peter in the moment. And then this man, he leans in, right? He, he, he looks at Peter after Peter says, look at us. And it, he thinks he's going to get something. He thinks he's going to get some money or he thinks that, that Peter might alleviate his need for just a moment. 
And Peter goes, bro, no, silver and gold I don't have for you. But what I do have, I give to you. Taking him by the hand, he helps him up instantly. The man's feet and ankles become strong. He jumps to his feet. He begins to walk. And then he goes about the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. Forty years, we find out in Acts chapter 4, this guy has been paralyzed since birth. I mean, can you imagine like the hopelessness this guy woke up with? Just like, the, like he's just thinking it's another day of suffering, another day of just trying to make it by, make it through, and then he meets eyes with two random bros on the way to their synagogue, and then before he knows it, he's got bone growing out of his leg and muscles starting to form and ligaments starting to connect, and then all of a sudden he's moving in ways that he's never moved in his entire life. And then his calf starts to get strong out of nowhere, and he's jumping, and all he can do is just praise God. We have to sit in just the awkwardness of this story, right? Like, let's just sit in the weirdness of, like, what if that actually happened? Like, most of us, we want to, like, let's not skip past it is all I'm saying. Let's not skip past it and try to find, like, some deeper meaning here. Life in the early church, they're walking by somebody, they pray, he's healed. There was, like, the evangelism for them. I mean, can you imagine the ease of evangelism if you just, like, got healed? It's like there's no convincing, there's no apologetics, there's no, like, cultural battle. It's just, like, I was healed, bro. Whatever you want, whatever you're about, I am about it. And you guys are like, that's cool, Cam, maybe. But you know that actually happens, like, a lot of places? Like, we met this pastor from Nepal, and he said that 60% of their conversions in their church are because of healings. 60%. It's like everybody who comes to Christ is like, well, I was, who convinced you? How did they tell you? It's like, no, nah, I don't know, bro. My leg grew, and I, I'm here, and that's it. And like, what about the, did they, did they walk you across? He's like, no, nah, dude, I have no, I have no idea. I'm here. It, this, I mean, there, there's an entire church movement called the Vineyard Movement that has some, has all kinds of different things, but it was basically birthed out of, they called it power evangelism, where people would have encounters with the Lord, where people would just walk around and pray, and they'd be healed, and they'd be like, all right, I'm in. Let's go. Their church like grew. And they multiplied and they planted churches all across California. He has an entire book. If you want to check it out, it's called Power Evangelism. Okay? That's my methodology 101. I'm like, let's just forget all the practicals. Let's just heal people. But that's what they did. And that makes us feel a little uncomfortable. But we have to sit with that discomfort just a little bit. We have to sit in there. If we compare our lives to the scriptures, we can't be like, ah, oh, it's definitely them. You know, they're the ones that are off, most likely. Right? If we have to do theological gymnastics to try to say why they're wrong and we're right, I'm just, I'm just going to drop that right there and just leave it, okay? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's some Jesus stuff, isn't it? Isn't that funny? Like the first story they tell is just like exactly what Jesus was doing, healing, preaching. And if you really think about it, I mean, what this guy really wanted wasn't even that. (laughs) This guy leaned in thinking, man, I, I might just get a little money to get by the day. But something wells up within Peter when he sees this guy. And it's compassion, right? He doesn't just stand at a distance and think, well, let me just write this guy a check and that way I don't have to get too involved, you know? But there's this compassion. There's this willingness to suffer alongside this guy, to to move close to him. And that's important, man, because our mission, it always starts not with judgment, but with compassion, right? It's to feel the pain and the longing of what the world wants. It's It's to know that pain. Even, even Peter in verse 17, like after he's kind of preached, he, he even like cuts him some slack. He's like, brothers, I know that you did this in ignorance. I know you rejected Jesus because you didn't know any better. Right? He's aware that those who don't believe or trust or walk in the way of Jesus, they do so because they're walking in darkness. 
They're walking because they can't see the light. And I just think it's interesting sometimes how, how judgmental we can be towards people who are walking in darkness. Like we expect them to walk in the light. Like we expect non-Christians to act like Christians. And so we stand at it and we're like, I can't believe them, you know? I'm like, what do you expect? What do you think is going to happen? I used to have sleepovers at my, at my buddy Jared's house. And my, I got some friend wounds, if that's okay. Can, I just, can we just be honest in church? I got a couple friend wounds. Some of us has mommy, daddy wounds. I got a friend wound and his name is Jared. Um, he's not here, so I can say whatever I want. I doubt he'll podcast this, so. But, but Jared, I used to spend the night at his house, and he used to get annoyed at me for, like, all the smallest things, like, you know, leaving a hot pocket in the microwave without putting it on a plate and the cheese melting, like, stuff like that. Like, he's always annoyed at me. And, and I used to, this probably happened seven or eight times, like, I wake up in the middle of the night, and uh, I wouldn't know where I was, because it was dark, and I would stub my toe on the wall or the bed, and I would kind of make a noise, because I like to be dramatic when I hurt myself, I'm not just going to be quiet and tough. Who does that? And I would wake him up, and he would get so mad. He's like, bro, why do you always stub your toe? I'm like, bro, I can't see. I don't know where I'm going. Like, what do you expect? And I just say that to say, like, what do we expect? Are we just like a bunch of Jareds? Like, dude, why do they keep stubbing their toe? You know, those people, those non, uh, you know, it's judgment. Judgment will not lead us to the mission of God. It just won't. But compassion will hurting with people, seeing their pain. is not, it's not just because they're not. It's because they're in darkness. They can't see. And then learning to feel the weight of what they're feeling. It's there and only there that mission, evangelism, finds its source of energy. It's learning to see the deeper needs of the people. And then to hear it. And I love it, right? He doesn't just say, yeah, let me, let me give that to you. But he says, silver and gold I don't have. But I got something so much better. I mean, I just love that. We have something so much better, by the way, right? I mean, people, like, like it's not that hard. People are, like, hurting. <laughs> like, anxiety, depression, loneliness, like, any stat, check it. Like, people are hurting right now. They long for healing. Whether it's in their bodies or in their relationships or in their emotions, it's what they long for. They want to be made whole. And we follow a Savior who has healing available to people. That's our message, that Jesus has healing for you. That's much of evangelism, is just learning to see people's pain and then seeing that Jesus has an answer for that. And his way of life is so much better. And when you marry those two things together, you find a a life full of compassion and power. (laughs) That you have answer for those things. Right? But I know this church. Like, I love you guys. Like, I know. Like, I know we live there. <laughs> We're there. We understand that. And even as we've worked through this, this series, like, we're there. We can be on the same page. But what do I actually do? <laughs> That's the question, right? Like, what do I say? When I get to that moment, you know the moment when it's like, okay, here's, here's the time. I have an opportunity <laughs> to share what it is that I believe with this person. It feels like a spotlight comes on you. There's like a spectator crowd around you and you're like, here we go. This is what I was made for. And you just feel like super panicked. You're like, I don't know what to say. So we just don't say anything at all. We're like, man, hopefully, hopefully somebody will read a, a nice Christian Twitter account and that'll save them, you know? <laughs> so what do we say? Even Peter, right? He feels the moment. He says that. He says, while the man held on to Peter and John, All the people are astonished. They come running. He kind of notices. He's getting a crowd a little bit. He sees that this is a moment. The New Living Translation literally says that. It says, Peter saw his opportunity, and so he addressed the crowd. 
So what do we actually say? That's what I want to talk about here. What do we actually say? And there's lots of methods, okay? I know some of us have been trained in methods, and there's so many incredible tools, like literally just YouTube, how do I share the gospel? And there will be four-minute videos, like all of us can handle that, even with the worst of attention spans, okay? There's tons of stuff out there. There's the three circles, there's four spiritual laws, there's Romans Road, there's the bridge illustration, and probably tons that I don't even know about. And they're all trying to communicate this same similar message, though, that God, he made us for wholeness, that he made us for a relationship with him, and that real life is only found in him, that eternal life is found in him now and forever, and that sin has separated us from him, and that and the life that we are made to experience. And Jesus, and Jesus alone is the mediator, that he's the only way that we're reconciled to God forever. And that we respond to that with faith, with putting our trust in Jesus. And so I just want to say, now everyone's journey to how they become a Jesus follower is like totally different, okay? I saw a tat the other day. Shout out Christian tats, you know? It's like, if you don't want to share the gospel, just tat something on yourself and hope someone sees it. And just leave it out there for him. Like, eh, are you in? I don't know. But I saw this tat, you know, it was, it was one of those, you guys have seen it. Some of you probably have it. Okay, it's great. Uh, <laughs> it's like the flat line. You've seen it? It's like a flat line. And there's a cross. And then all of a sudden, it's like, the, it's like a heartbeat, you know? It's like a flat line, there's nothing. And then there's a cross. And then it's like after that, there's the line. Like there was life, you know? Like it was just really simple. Like I was dead, and the cross came, and now I'm alive, you know? Like that's how it is. Which just doesn't feel like most of our journeys. Like most of us, I'm like, I don't know what, me personally, I'm like, I don't know what happened, bro. I look back after two years and I'm like, I felt like I just kind of fell into this current river and then all of a sudden I like popped out of the river and I'm like, oh, I've moved like a ton. Like I'm a totally different person, you know? But the reality is, and the scriptures teach us that 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 tad is actually low key theologically right on, okay? You didn't even know it. But that's what Ephesians says, right? It says that we were dead in our sins, and that we were made alive in Christ Jesus. That something fundamentally has shifted in us. That we go from not a people to a people. That we go from outside the family to inside the family. That's why we like go crazy for baptisms here. Okay? Because it's a marking. It's a moment to say, I, I was dead. I was lost. Now I'm alive. And I'm found. And so we need to learn how to even communicate to lead people to say, how do I do that? How do I do that? And so what I want to do right here is just be really practical, okay? And I know it's different in a bunch of different ways, but I'm, I'm, I'm under the assumption right now that you have a relationship with somebody, that they're curious, that they're spiritually hungry, and there's a moment in time where you actually have the opportunity to share your faith. What would it look like? And most of the time it involves some form of just punching the awkward in the face, to be honest, okay? There's just an awkward moment that you're like, you fight it in your gut, and you're like, I just got to do this thing, you know? And if anybody hates awkward, it's me, okay? I hate it. So I usually use like 17 disclaimers to start it off. I got a bunch of them, okay? I'll usually say something like, dude, not to be that guy, but uh, I have this passage that might be really helpful for us to understand. And I just want to talk through this passage. Okay? I want to give you one tool this morning. If it's not really a tool, it's most of these tools kind of combined. But, but, but just one scripture just to have in your mind, to have like really clearly in your mind. Romans 6, 23, it's not all-encompassing. It doesn't answer every spiritual question, but it gives us just some common language to ask some people when we're in a conversation. You can just say, let's just look at it. Would you just look at this verse with me really quick? You know, I just want to look at it. I'm going to read it. If you have the Bible, I, feel, I, I hear the page turners. We're in the house. Romans 6:23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some of you are like, dang, that is pretty good. You know, that's, that's spot on. You know, what else do we need? But in, in, in the course of maybe sharing this verse, just, just draw on some of these phrases. Sometimes we just like assume people know our language, you know? Like, you know, bro, the wages of sin. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't want to hang out anymore. Don't invite me to your home. I don't care about how good your hospitality is. Wages of sin. No thanks. Okay? But just ask a question. What, do you, what is a wage? You know? What is a wage? You know, it's something you earn, something you've deserved, something that you've, you know, a wage. When you, when, when you work for a certain time, then you earn your wage. It's a wage. It's something you earn. And you just, keep, just keep drawing on some of these phrases. What about, what about sin? Ask people. What, what do you think about, what do you think when people talk about sin? And in reality, it's much more complex. Sin has like seven different words in the Old Testament. Okay, you think it's simple, but it's actually this complex thing. But, but just to be really simple, in, in, in a context like this, just, just drawing in that sin is just missing the mark. Sin is an old archery term. That uh, in ancient days, it was like a stat. It was like rebounds or assists. It was like in the archery, they would, they'd shoot the bow, it hit the arrow or hit the bullseye. If it was off the bullseye, that was like the amount of sin that they would have. And you can just say, it's, just not, it's, it's missing the mark. It, it, it's some form of our falling short. If you have other passages, you can drop them in there at any moment. But, but it's just saying that sin, that sin is us missing the mark. It's us not being and doing the things that we were made to do. And then talk about death. Ask about death. The wages of sin is death. Just say, what, what, do you th- what do you think about death? Our current culture is like trying to convince us that death is not real, you know, that death is not coming. My favorite podcaster, basics, his whole basic goal is to try to maximize himself to see if he can live till he's 105. And I'm like, bro, it's still going to happen, you know? Death, it's, it's, it's coming. Even asking that question, being awkward, being like, what, what do you think happens when we breathe our last breath? What happens? And talking about the death that we experience every single day. The pain that we experience. The anxiety, whatever it is that current person is holding and carrying. I mean, I love that with Peter and John. Like, they they meet this dude right in his lowest of spots. That's most of the time the soil that is ready to hear the gospel message, by the way. It's only the low, the humble, the broken. So it's meeting there and then saying that is death that we're experiencing. It's a lack of life. And that is an effect of sin. And whatever else it might be, that, that injustice and poverty and suffering that we're experiencing, that racism is an effect of sin. It's sin. It's us drifting from God. And digging a well a little bit there and then, and then flipping it. Saying, but God, you know, the best two words in the whole Bible, but God. He gives us eternal life. And even ask about that. Ask about what is a gift. What's your role in a gift? You just receive the gift. You take it in. Eternal life, what do you think that means? Living life forever. What, what's the life you've always dreamed of? What, what is life to you? Asking these deeper questions. How do we receive the gift? Even asking him that. And then you look at the passage. You say, the only way we receive this gift is through Jesus. And then you can even ask, how does that happen? How do we receive a gift through Jesus? And you know, because most people are actually familiar with Jesus dying on the cross in our current context. That's not like a brand new thought for someone. Most people are aware that that's somewhere in what we believe here. But drawing on that and saying, what was the wage of sin again? It was death, wasn't it? And Jesus, that's what he did. That's how he made a way for us as he died on the cross, that he paid the penalty, that he, there was a wage that was due and he paid it with his own life. And you draw on Jesus. 
You say, why did he have to die? Asking these kinds of questions. And let me say this, the entire time we are in this moment, we are completely attentive to the person and to the Spirit. We're listening to the Holy Spirit alive within us. It's totally okay if the convo goes somewhere totally else. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not like nervous or worried or trying, like, man, I just hope that they can, ah, you, like you missed that one. Oh, can't, we would have had him, and now he's gone, you know. You blew it, you know. That's not, he's not in a rush. He's with us. He's empowering us in the moment. If the convo goes somewhere else, just flow with it. It's okay. Just go with it. We're listening to them and listening to the Spirit. It's like Mark said last week. We're not salespeople. We're not out here trying to convince someone. We're just witnesses. And we point to Jesus. And along the way, if you feel compelled for them to respond, go ahead and do it. I mean, that's what the people after Peter preached in Acts 2, they're like, "What, what do we do with this news? What do we do? Right? People want, they have, usually when there's a gospel preached, there's some form of response. Um, I remember it was my last, I worked for Athletes in Action, a sports ministry for like six years. It was my last ever AIA thing I did. And uh, I was at this camp and we were, to be honest, I'll just be really honest, okay, I had a tea time at 3.30 and I showed up at 2 p.m. And uh, I was supposed to lead these like little four, it was like a small group of guys and we were just, we were actually going through like, how do we share our faith? And I was walking through it and uh, as we're doing it, I'm, I'm, I'm dead honest right now, I was halfway there. Like, everything I'm telling you to do, I wasn't doing. I was, like, literally dreaming about the first fairway, you know? Like, I'm not there at all. And as I'm talking, as I'm kind of sharing these things, I just look at this dude, and I just see him just, like, crying. I'm like, bro, what is happening to this dude? You know, I'm not even there. I'm like, I'm talking about sin is, the wages of sin is death, bro. And he's just like, oh. You know, he's just like, he's melting. And we talk a little bit. I'm kind of taking note. I'm like talking around. We're having a conversation. And this dude is just like, his eyes are flowing. And I'm rarely that guy to just be like, let's, let's be bold. This is the moment. You know, I'm like, I'm really slow to that. And I just felt something well up within me. I'm like, bro, do you want, have you ever done that? Like, have you ever said yes to Jesus? He's like, no, man. I, you know, he's just like, he's the right. And we just surround him. We prayed for him. Like, we just, like, like it's not, it doesn't have to be some crazy big thing. You can just like, have you ever done that? Have you ever like actually said yes to Jesus and, and committed your life to him? And what does it mean for him to be a Lord and to follow him? Have you ever done that? And we just circled around him and we, we put our hands on him. and pr- I just prayed some random prayer. I don't even know what I prayed. I was like, Lord, he's your son now in Jesus name. You know, like I'm just, I'm here now. I'm not, I don't care about the tea time now because it woke me up to what's happening. But the spirit is doing this stuff in us. I mean, one of the major fears of the disciples when they asked Jesus, like after he goes, he's like, what are we going to do? He's like, the Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. I love that. But, but think about even my role in this thing, okay? I would be silly to be like, finally, someone showed up and brought the gospel to this guy, you know? Like, I find out after the fact, like, he'd been dating some girl for two years, going to church with her off and on, her entire family, shout out missionary dating, you know? <laughs> There's some real Christians in here when they laugh at that, the missionary dating. Your parents told you not to, but sometimes it works, you know? I don't know. All right. But I found out her family had been praying for him, right? Like for two years, they've been praying for this dude. I found out that our team that I wasn't even really supposed to be a part of, we showed up, and they've been praying for him by name, right? Like God is already doing stuff in people's lives. Like it's not on you. It's not about you even. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of this message. It's not about your like, ability to articulate it or communicate it or win someone over. It's about him. 
It's about Jesus, who is this shepherd who loves to go after the one. He counts in ones. He leaves 99 to go find one. That's what he's doing. I mean, the power of the Spirit is what births the early church. I mean, literally in Acts 4, like you turn the page, they're still in this kind of same story. And the thing that's most compelling to the people on the outside is like, yo, I know Peter and John. Literally, it's translated like they're idiots. Like, that's kind of what the people say. It says they're common men. They're dumb guys. They're just these fishermen. And if this stuff is happening for them, it must be real. They must have been with Jesus. Like, that's, that's like the most compelling thing to the outside people. It wasn't like, oh, these guys. Yeah, it makes sense, you know. Pretty good leaders. Checks out. They're like, no, these guys. If anybody couldn't do it, it's them. But the Spirit was so at power within them. Paul says that to the Corinthian church, right? He said, he said, I vowed to know nothing among you except for Christ and him crucified. He said, I came to you in stuttering and mumbling and my speech wasn't eloquent or anything. And he said, so that the, your faith might not rest in human wisdom, but on God's power. God has power to save and his heart is beating to do it. We just have to jump in there with him, be available to him. I mean, even the whole, all these guys, they're scared people. All of them denied or left Jesus except for maybe two or three. And they get baptized and filled with the Spirit, and all of a sudden, they're like the most bold people alive. Like, what the heck happened? I just, I really feel like this strong in my spirit. Like, we, like, you have the Holy Spirit at work within you. Like, he's alive in you. You have way more power than you think. You have power, and this message has power. Right? Romans 1 says it is the power of the gospel that leads into salvation, that the message itself just does stuff. That's what happens when I'm, sharing, when I'm just walking through with Milton. He's not hearing me or thinking, Cam's so smart. He's just like, this message is incredible. And so we have the power of the Spirit and this message is incredible. I'm not going to be that guy, but like there's so much bad news. Am, am I lying? There's just like every day. I can't even walk on the treadmill at Crunch anymore without seeing something on the news. Like, I'm trying to avoid it. And then I just got it right in front of my face, just getting sad on the treadmill all the time. There's bad news everywhere. But we have the best news on the planet. Right? Even, even Paul, like, he, he writes this little thing to, to, to his boy Timothy, and it's amazing. He, sa he says, the saying is trustworthy and true, Timothy. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know when you don't have to say this trustworthy is true is when it makes sense, you know? I'm like, you know, it, it rains when the clouds come out. Trust it. It's like, nah, bro, I get it. Like, I understand that. Like, he has to say that as a disclaimer because he's like, Timothy, it still does not make sense that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, but you need to trust it. It's that crazy. And he continues, right? He says, there is one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message. Then he says this, I'm not exaggerating. I'm just telling the truth. I mean, Paul is like writing this letter like, I cannot believe this. I mean, if we, there, there, who in our right mind would, re, would hear this gospel message and be like, yeah, it makes sense. It checks out, you know. He who knew no sin, perfect son of God, came down, looked at me. Yeah, Cam's pretty good, you know. I'm a, that's, it's scandalous. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It, is not, it, is not, it does not make sense. And the second it starts to kind of check out, like, yeah, the second we lose the wonder of the gospel is when we stop sharing. 
You have the power of the Spirit alive within you, and you have the best news on the planet. I don't know if there's any donut people in the house. Yeah, you didn't see that one coming. I used to be okay with Harold's Donuts, RIP, but Columbia needs a new donut place, and that place is Duck Donuts. Has anybody ever been to Duck Donuts? No, the people in the South, okay, Google it later. Duck Donuts is the best donut place you have ever had in your entire life. And I mean that with all my heart, okay? You do not need teeth to eat at Duck Donuts. I will tell you that, okay? You don't. It will melt in your mouth. Any other donut you've ever had in your entire life, it will taste like water, bad water, tap water, okay? I'm telling you that. I mean that. I came back after having Duck Donuts. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I was trying to, I had, I had people trying to invest in it, okay? Because I'm like, this stuff is crazy, bro. They got maple syrup fresh off the tree. They got bacon that's just like, Dude, I don't even know. Fresh out the pig. I don't know. It's, it is incredible. You know, you, know, you know who told me I had to share about Duck Donuts, to be honest? No, not a single person. No Duck Donuts person was like, hey, Cam, we see a lot of potential in you, man. You ate that donut with a lot of, a lot of gusto, my boy, you know? Like, you should, you, should be, you should go tell people about this, you know? Like, when you taste something that is so good, you know, when you've had a good meal, you can't help but talk about it. You know when you've seen a good show, you cannot help but talk about it. When you're experiencing the forgiveness of Jesus, when you're experiencing just like the wonder and the amazement of the healing he has available to us, you cannot help but talk about it. Let us be a people who have tasted the beauty of the gospel that we can't help it. It's dripping off our mouth, man. I can't help but talk about it. I'm so sorry. I know I'm weird, (laughs) but it's so good, man. I'm telling you. It's what, invite, it's, it's what empowers you to invite people in your home and build relationships and do things that make no sense. Is this message is so good. So good. It's freedom. It's power. It's healing. It is, the, the Psalms say that he's the desire of every nation. He's the desire of every heart. It's what every human heart wants and we have it available. We just open up your hands and I'm just going to pray for us. Lord, I just even feel now like there's, there's some of us that just feels like so far from our reality. It's like, that sounds great, Cam, but Holy Spirit, you're the one that makes that real to us. And Paul would pray all the time, God, God that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see what it really is, to see the beauty of Jesus He would pray that that you would strengthen us in our inner being to to know the love that you have for us. So Holy Spirit, even right now, would you just awaken us to the love that you have for us, to to the reality of the gospel. If it feels fuzzy in our minds, just bring the joyful clarity of it. And Holy Spirit, fill us with courage and boldness to share this thing not out of obligation or duty, but out of the out of the joy of knowing you and the joy of getting to be with you in the mission. We love you. Help us to love you. Even right now, as we, as we sing and worship, God, just wake, awaken our hearts to who you are. We just welcome your presence, Holy Spirit. Come. Do a work in our hearts right now. Amen.